special edition of Look at His Butt. Bill reads to you. As you all know, Bill's autobiography is out now. Turns out there's an audiobook edition of it as well, which you can find at audible.com and also on iTunes. They also provided a small excerpt from it that you could listen to online, which we did, and it was so good that we just wanted to put it up here for you guys as a special little present from us to you. So, instead of a real episode of Look at His Butt, think of this as a quickie, which is something we think that Bill would appreciate. So, listen to Bill, and we'll be back in about a week with another real episode. I took a lot of pride in the fact that I did all of my own stunts, except for those truly dangerous stunts that require a stuntman with experience. That's something I've done throughout most of my career. Over the years, I've done a lot of fighting, tumbling, running, jumping, car stunts, unique tricks. I've always believed that doing the physical work, the stunts, is part of the actor's job, but it has to be done safely. The safety of the star is always foremost in everybody's mind, not because they love you, but if you hurt your left pinky and can't make the next shot, it's going to cost the producers a lot of money, so generally, they don't let the star do anything unsafe. I couldn't possibly even guess the number of stunt fights I've had in my career. I'm actually pretty good at it. The key I learned early was knowing how to fall. And I'd learned that taking judo lessons. The proper way to fall is to expand your arms so that your entire body hits the ground at the same time. That spreads the energy of the fall. That's what professional wrestlers do. Makes a great thumping sound, too. If you want to roll when you hit the ground, you got to hit the ground with a curved arm so you're actually a hub. You roll on your arms and there's no pain whatsoever. Stunt falling requires a lot of training because you have to be able to sense where your body is in space, which enables you to anticipate the impact and properly distribute your energy. And when it's done correctly, it looks painfully real. In the movie Showtime with Eddie Murphy and Robert De Niro, I played myself as T.J. Hooker teaching real cops standard TV cop procedures. In one scene, I was supposed to show Eddie Murphy how to leap over the hood of a car, but I decided to make it look as if I hurt my back showing him how to do it without getting hurt. The first time I did, I rolled across the hood and fell behind the car. As I got up, crew members were running over to me. It had looked so real they thought I was hurt and had stopped shooting. People do get hurt in stunt fights. Actors get excited, lose their sense of space, and have hit stuntmen. And a lot of stuntmen are afraid of actors because they get crazed. Even I've gotten hit by other actors in fights. I always keep my punches short. As long as the camera's behind you, punches only have to travel six inches to look real. Once I became a leading man... I don't remember ever losing a fight. While making Star Trek, I was fighting all the time. I'd fight two men, three men at a time. I beat all of them. I was a very tough stunt fighter, as long as I had morality and the script on my side. I was such a good stunt fighter. I even fought with myself on several different programs and movies. On Star Trek, for example, we occasionally ended up with two Kirks battling it out. In a movie called White Comanche, I played half-breed Indian twin brothers who had to fight to the death. In those instances, one of me, was a stuntman whose body vaguely resembled mine, and we shot over his shoulder. So, perhaps I could have played both Caesar and Brutus in the Julius Caesar musical I wanted to make in Free Enterprise. I do remember the most truly dangerous stunt I ever did. For real. What I don't remember is why I did it. We were making an ABC Sunday night movie called Disaster on the Coastliner. The Coastliner was a train set on a collision course by a deranged engineer attempting to avenge the accidental deaths of his wife and daughters and among the passengers were the vice president's wife and daughter, and we were filming on a deserted stretch of track in Connecticut. I played a con man with a heart of gold plating, and in a key scene I had to stand on top of a speeding diesel locomotive 
and fight a stuntman while a helicopter was trying to swoop down and rescue me. When I read the script, I thought it was an impressive stunt, but I didn't know how they intended to do it. When we started filming, I asked the director, how are we going to do this? Are we going back to the studio to do a green screen? When he admitted he hadn't figured it out yet, I suggested, well, why don't we do it in real life? It was, let's put on a play in the barn, boys and girls' time. I have no idea what I was thinking when I said that. His face lit up. Really? Yeah, sure, why not? Why not? Because I could have gotten killed, that's why not. But listening to myself talk, I started getting excited. Here's what we'll do. Train will go five miles an hour. I'll get up on top. You get some real close-ups, and then you can speed up the film, and it'll look like a real fight. Really? I think he was as stunned as I should have been. But there was a difference between the two of us. I was the one climbing up on the top of the train. He was the sane one. Okay, he said enthusiastically. Let's do it. You go ahead and climb up there. The problem, I quickly discovered, was that this was a diesel engine, meaning there was no smokestack, nothing to which we could attach safety cables. It's aerodynamic, flat. The only way I could be attached to a safety cable was to run the cable down the side of the engine through the window. Then I realized if we did that and I fell, the cable would just drag me alongside the train. A bad second choice. So we couldn't use safety cables. I decided to do it anyway. Really? The director was thrilled. I was willing to do this stunt. Finally, I got up on top of the train. Admittedly, I was scared. As it rolled along at five miles an hour, the director was in a car driving alongside with three cameras in it. We shot the whole fight scene. I took a deep breath when I got down to the ground. How was it? I asked the director. He frowned. Well, it looks like we're going five miles an hour. Then I heard myself thinking, hey, I'm the star. Stars don't get hurt. Then I heard myself saying to him, okay, let's try it again. We'll go a little faster. Now, why would I say that? Why would I risk my life for a Sunday night movie? What could I have been thinking? Directors had been shooting similar scenes since the early days of film without it being necessary for an actor to stand on top of a moving train. There are many ways of getting that shot. Really? the director said enthusiastically. I climbed back on top. Seven miles an hour became ten, became twenty. Suddenly, I'm standing on top of a diesel locomotive going almost forty miles an hour, and we're approaching a sharp curve in the track. Beyond that was a low bridge. Wait a second, I'm an actor. What am I doing standing on top of a diesel locomotive racing 40 miles an hour towards a trestle? At that speed, the wind was so strong, I had to bend forward into it just to remain upright. The wind was coming up my pants leg, trying to lift me. The helicopter was starting to swoop down on me. In my role, I was supposed to be frightened, believe me. In that situation, it did not require a lot of acting ability to look scared. When we finished the scene, the director told me proudly, I got it. Reviewers wrote that the scene looked real. Looked real? It looked real. But when it comes to real stunts, absolutely nothing I've ever done was more realistic than co-starring with actress Tiffany Bowling, 5,000 live tarantulas, in the classic horror film Kingdom of the Spiders. Oh, the things I've done for my art. But perhaps the most difficult stunt I've ever done was a nude scene with gorgeous Angie Dickinson in Roger Corman's film Big Bad Mama. As the posters promised, the essence of this film was hot lead, hot cars, hot dames, hot damn. It was Roger Corman's tribute to Bonnie and Clyde with a little more violence, a lot more skin, and it proved forever that Angie Dickinson is not a natural blonde.